Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... It is often couched in the happiness gospel of self. It seems more important to be happy and to get what you want than to live for Jesus and being part of the redemptive history of God. Sadly, the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to us through the Word of God has been replaced by pure emotion and or Christian self-help methods. Does it matter where you go to church? Pastor Jim shows us today how wrong Christian teaching inside the church may even be more dangerous than non-Christian teachings outside the church. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with part one of his message entitled, Christian Living in the Midst of an Unchristian Church. The After School Satan Club is a new club that has a desire to meet in public schools. They are a ministry of the Satanic Temple. Many people feel it's just a political attack on Christianity, specifically on the 3,500 good news clubs that meet in public schools throughout the nation. Now, constitutionally, under the freedom of religious expression, they have a pretty good shot. At the very least, I'm sure they'll win some lawsuits. And while some atheist political activist parents, which is the primary group that's behind this, may sign their kids up, only time will tell if such a group will have the firepower, the desire of people to survive. So, should you let your children go? You don't need to answer that question, just asking. Should you let your children go? Now, last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in the beginning of verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, which we're going to look at again today. And the title of our message was Christian Living in the Midst of an Unchristian World. So based on what we talked about last week, I'm probably pretty sure if you were here or you listened to it, most of you would say, no, I'm not going to send my child to the after-school Satan Club. Now, as you can imagine, some people are outraged by such a thing. And as much as some people are outraged... I want to ask us this morning, are the battle plans of the forces of darkness always that blatant? Are they always so out in the open? Or could this be just another diversion to get our eyes off another battle that the Church of Jesus Christ has historically found themselves engaged and embattled in? Here, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is not as concerned with unbelieving people outside the church. That was a big concern of 1 Corinthians, not such a big concern of 2 Corinthians. His concern in 2 Corinthians is more with the influence of unbelieving people inside the church. So last week, our message, Christian Living in the Midst of an Unchristian World. This week, our message title is Christian Living in the Midst of of an unchristian church. Today, again, we're covering the same verses as we did last week because it is hard to tell who and where these unbelievers are from. 
Now, if we didn't have 1 Corinthians the way we normally look at it, we wouldn't even consider it, but we do, and that's why we consider it the way we did last week. In 1 Corinthians, people were worshiping, it appears some people in the church were worshiping at or with people who worshiped at temples of the false gods. In 2 Corinthians, the concern is with the false teachers that are coming into the Corinthian church and with the criticism that is being leveled against the Apostle Paul, and to criticize the Apostle is to criticize the Word of God. To criticize the Word of God is therefore to criticize God. Now, the same is true today. There are plenty of people in our churches that are promoting all types of different things that seem contrary to the Word of God. Are they doing it on purpose? Some yes, some no. Some it's all they've been taught. They don't really know the Bible very well. They've been taught something else, and it seems to make sense. We see it a lot in the field of Christian publishing. There is a lot of money to be made by having publishers publish books that are not the truth of the gospel, but rather false teaching. And many of the Christian publishers have been bought out by secular publishers. And so, obviously, what's the most important thing to the stockholders? The bottom line, not the quality of the products that they are, in fact, producing. Television produces a lot of people that are out for the money. Pastors, some pastors are really making exorbitant salaries. They're about the money. But some of this false teaching actually comes from those that are very close to us. In fact, we may even call them our Christian friends. Now, last week, we looked at the way most of us have been taught this passage as uh, individualistic American Christians. So if you will, we fed the beast, right? Because that's unfortunately one of the downfalls of the American church is we are very, very individualistic. Last week, we talked about the Christian life being lived out in the world and being careful of the influences that come into our lives. But this week, we're going to talk about the life of the world that is often lived out and taught in the church. If you will, last week, we talked about... Um, the people of God being called out of the world, this week, maybe we want to think more about the people of God not being called so much out of the world, but being called into history. Now, Bible students, before you say Pastor Jim's a complete heretic, remember earlier in 2 Corinthians, he talked about uh, Moses and the unveiled face. This could be the this section could be the application of that. As followers of Jesus, it's so important that we are aware of God's uncompromising love and care for the spiritual welfare of his children. It's very, very important that we are aware of that. And as the founding pastor of the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul, even though they are a pain in the neck to him, the Corinthians, has a deep love for the Corinthian church, similar to what a parent would have for their children. And, you know, when I read this stuff, 2 Corinthians is such a, an important book to me, and it's something that I don't expect any of you to really understand as much as I just want to state it. As the founder of this church, I have a love for you guys that I really can't explain. Some people say, how do you keep going? What's the fire in your belly? And it is spirit-driven, of course, but it is a love for the people that God has brought to this church. Impossible to describe. Now, we'll back up a few verses to 2 Corinthians 6, 11, where he says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. 
The things that are limiting them in their Christian walk is not the teaching of the Bible, is not Pastor Paul, is not the church staff, is not the associates that travel with the Apostle Paul. It is the own affections, it is the own desires of the people in the Corinthian church, things that they love more than Jesus and the truth of his word. And whenever these newfangled doctrines come into the church of health and wealth, or we have to you know, engage people in these pragmatic ways of mankind and stuff like that, I'm not saying there's not new strategies we have to employ. We have to ask ourselves, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough, or are perhaps are we looking for things outside the word of God? He says, verse 13, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, how insulting would that be to them, but they're his children, you also be open. Well, you say open to what? Open their hearts to what he's teaching, open to the Apostle Paul who brings the word of God and represents the word of God to the people of God. So if you're taking notes this morning, there's three things we want to look at in regards to this passage. Number one, number one will be far longer than number two or three, so don't give up hope by the time we're getting to number two. Number one, the command for the church. The command for the church. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's the command. That's the command. It's that simple. Last week, we talked about unbelievers outside the church who are influencing the people of God. This time, this week, we're talking about unbelievers inside the church, the church at large, who are influencing God's people. He asked a series of questions. We covered them last week with the expected answer, none. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? None. And what communion has light with darkness? None. And what accord or what harmony has Christ with Belial or with Satan? We're supposed to say none. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? We're supposed to say none. It has to do with the, remember we talked about first associations that we have, primary associations. Verse 16, we'll just read the beginning. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Very important statement. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? Let's stop right there. So the Apostle Paul is saying here, do not let these Bible-carrying false teachers into your church, and into your hearts. Or if you do, you will find yourself very quickly and very subtly being unequally yoked. Now, this is what people say. Of course, we've said that many times before, but Pastor Jim, you don't understand. They're reading right out of the Bible. You can make the Bible. You can make virtually any book say whatever it is that you want to say if you just take a verse here and a verse there. Many people in the past have experienced unbelieving biblical duties and rules. And so instead of coming to the center of the truth, they go all the way over to the other side to what they call freedom, which we'll talk about in a moment. And now we see less biblical duties and rules and arise with sort of this wisdom with a worldly twist. The wisdom of man, and they'll couch it in words like this, a new word or a fresh word for a new generation or a new culture. It is often couched in the happiness gospel of self. It seems more important to be happy and to get what you want than to live for Jesus and being part of the redemptive history of God. Sadly, the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to us through the word of God has been replaced by pure emotion and or Christian 
self-help methods. Fifteen years ago, a heretic extraordinaire by the name of Harold Camping told people to leave their churches, of course to follow him, but to leave their churches because he said the church age was over. Now, Mr. Camping was 100% wrong, and now he has died and met the Lord, and he knows he was 100% wrong. But when he talks about the church age being over and that we have to leave our churches, that is not what the Bible teaches. The church age is the age in between Jesus' ascension into heaven and Jesus' return. We're there, right? Also the last days. Instead, though, the Bible is very strong in telling us to separate ourselves not from churches, but from false teachers. Remember earlier we talked about them as peddlers of the word of God, as shavers of the word of God, which does mean this, that many of the people that we know and many of the people that we meet should leave their churches. They should leave their churches. And outreaches that we go on, I am shocked how many people are willingly, easily and willingly admitting that they go to a bad church, that they admit that they go to a church that does not teach the word of God, and yet they will not leave. They go to a place that they know is either the social gospel or a phony gospel or scripture twisting or no gospel at all. It's just sort of this club where people hang out, and yet... They will not leave their churches. Now, most of us would never say that their pastors who don't study and teach the word of God carefully are unbelievers, would we? We would never say, that's just not cool in America. But would the Apostle Paul say that? Well, in 2 Corinthians, he seems to be saying that. In chapter 13, he's actually going to extend it to the followers of such false teachers of such people who are not bringing the pure word of God and the Christian opponents to the word of God. Now you say, what do you mean the Christian opponents to the word of God? There's a lot of Christian opponents to the word of God. You know, you tell your friends, oh, our church, we just teach the Bible. Oh, we would never do that in our church. Or, you know, we hold to the literal interpretation, meaning what did the author intend to say in the word of God? No, no, that's outdated. We're Christians, but we don't buy that mumbo jumbo. They are what? They are Christian opponents to the word of God. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, very popular verse. Examine yourselves as to whether you were in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Saying you're a believer doesn't make you a believer. In fact, there are many people who say they're believers. The Bible is clear on that are not believers and don't love God. And nobody made that more clear than Jesus. He was constantly arguing with religious clergy, telling them that they did not love God. Well, how serious is this? Well, in the Corinthian church, the critics and the false teachers are dividing the church. And I really think that here the apostle is linking them to Satan. What harmony has Jesus Christ with Satan? They are dividing the harmony of God's people. 
We saw last week for the people of God and in the Old Testament and up until today, they do it in a form of, typically in a form of syncretism. Not the outside people, not the people who don't believe, who want to attack. These people who come in from the inside. The Apostle Paul warned the Ephesian church that they would rise up from among them. They have syncretism. The Word of God is not enough, so they bring all of this other stuff into it. They mix the Bible with the religion or the false gods of the day. So you say, well, what false gods do we have? Well, in America, what are they? Comfort, pleasure, easy life. All the things that in America that just watch the commercials, they'll tell you what the false gods are. The things that they're selling us to say that we need to have to make our life happy. Now, there's nothing wrong with some of those things, but when they become our primary focus, when that's what it's all about, when being wealthy is more important than following Jesus, when being healthy, when being happy, when any of these things is more important than loving and following Jesus, that becomes an idol in our lives. So look around at our culture. What is the religion of our culture? It's the religion of self, right? Whatever makes it better for you and for yourself, no matter what it does to other people, that's fine. And that thinking is alive and well in an unbelieving church. What does it look like? Well, it's a gospel that where only God gives. He doesn't expect anything from people. He just gives. It's a gospel only where God loves, and he would never convict anybody of sin. In fact, where in the world is sin gone? It seems to, well, I've talked to so many people who like this expansion thing and this radio stuff that we've been doing, talking to so many people involved in radio for so many years, and they're like, there are so few radio preachers, and the radio preachers are light years in general better than the TV preachers because the TV preachers, that doesn't do enough for them being on radio. It's too simple. But even some of our better preachers in this country are preaching less messages based upon sin and repentance. Friends, Jesus didn't lay down his life for the people of God to compromise the word of God, did he? He didn't lay down his life for the people of God to stop lovingly tell people the truth. He didn't preach a message of repent and believe, as did the apostles, so we could come along in 21st century America and say, we have a better way to reach our culture. We might have a better way to reach our culture. We might have a better way for them to come to our churches, but we certainly don't have a better way for them to become children of God. That's not going to happen. Now, the Apostle Paul is not saying that we are to withdraw from unbelievers in our culture. He's not saying that. We are to engage them. Now, if we start following them and becoming like them, that's an individual choice that you have to make. But we are to engage people with the good news of the gospel because so few people have actually heard it. We are not to disengage or withdraw from committed followers of Jesus who disagree over secondary issues with us. You know, what's a secondary issue? The timing of the end times. Everybody believes Jesus is coming back. People want to argue about the timing forever. Listen, have those discussions if you would like, but, but we're not going to say, I'm not going to, listen, you disagree on a three and a half year time period than me, I never want to talk to you again. That's dumb. He is saying, be careful of people who call themselves Christians, even sometimes ordained clergy and popular authors and speakers who are functional unbelievers leading people to the gods of this age who willingly will follow that shepherd over a cliff. 
He's saying don't be unequally yoked to people inside the church who deny the word of God by their teaching or their mishandling of the word of God and who deny the life-transforming work of the Holy Spirit by and with their obsession with cultural values. In chapter 5, he pled with the people to be reconciled to God, and that would include, in the context of 2 Corinthians, departing from teaching and practices that are contrary to the Apostle Paul, which is contrary to the Word of God, and to flee from and to stay away from, depart from teaching and practices that make it easy for you to stray from the Word of God. Basically, the Corinthian church had become too culturally accommodating. Now, how would people do it today? Well, they use the word tolerance. Tolerance. And there's a difference between being tolerant and engaging people and being tolerant of Christians not living out the Christian message. I heard a great thing from John Lennox on the radio yesterday, the scholar over in Oxford, and and he was asked how, you know, he gets to engage so many people who are at a high level who don't believe. He said, well, number one, I work with them. (laughs) And then he said, number two, I just keep asking questions until they ask me. So I just show an interest in people. I'm tolerant of people. And by being tolerant of people who are not believers or followers of Jesus, by showing an interest in them, most people are willing to engage me and show an interest in me. Great wisdom there. Great wisdom there. But that doesn't mean that we become like the world around us to try to invite people into it because they're already into it. The problem in the Corinthian church and the problem with much of Christianity today is people are not becoming more like Jesus Christ. Sadly, we are training our pastors today to help people to feel better about themselves. Now, if that's to help people understand how they are loved by God, how their sins have been forgiven, I'm all for that. But self-help, I don't want self-help. I want God help, don't you? I want spirit help. Training pastors today to help people to feel better about themselves instead of training people to become Jesus-loving, righteous people of God who respond to the radical love of Jesus Christ with a radical love for the world. Friends, where where did character go? (laughs) Where'd it go? Where are the men and women of the word willing to call out all this false teaching in our churches? Where are those who see that all this self-help, me-first, non-confrontational Bible teaching will be the death of the church in the United States? It happened in Europe. All the best Bible teachers that I really read, it just happens to be the zone that I have fallen into as someone who reads, were basically all the people in the 1800s and the 1900s, early 1900s in the British Isles. Love those guys. Place is dead as a doorknob now. Oh, there's certainly some remnants and there's certainly some things going on there, but it's just a mere shadow of what it was one day. Matthew 19, 26, the 
apostles were asking Jesus who could be saved, and he said, because there was a, you know, they thought being rich was how you, got, you had God's favor. Jesus said, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Seriously, where are the people of God who see the possibility? We're the people of God who just are willing to stop with all this rational thinking and say that we need a powerful move of God's Spirit. Where are those people? Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.